Welcome back to episode 10 of the Points Hunters podcast. My name is Rishi and today's episode I've done something a bit different. I've got a good friend of mine who spent two years working for British Airways as a cabin crew member who's going to go into what life was like working there, his stories, his experiences. Um, and this was a really fun episode to record. So I think you'll find it entertaining. Um, you'll see a lot of things that you probably didn't know. Uh, so I hope you find it useful. So on today's episode, we have a good friend of mine, Tommy Kinch, who is a former flight attendant for British Airways. Uh, and as he is a former attendant, I'm sure we're going to hear some uh, juicy stories some, <laughs> some behind the scenes gossip um so yeah for anyone um who obviously needs an introduction to you what is your background tell us a bit about yourself um and maybe how we met as well yeah 100 well thank you first and foremost rishi for having me on this wonderful podcast of yours good to help you out <laughs> thank you. um yeah my obviously from the west coast of ireland county Clare. um just um Born and bred there. Um, basically met my good friend Rishi here beside me many years ago. Must be, I don't know, seven, eight years Last ago. Seven, eight years point. ago, yeah. yeah. Um, a good, yeah, friend, another friend of ours. Um, he's part of the Musketeers, as we call ourselves. But, uh, we, <laughs> good um, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through, um, through a colleague at work. And then we kind of just kept in contact and kept seeing each other and obviously made the effort. And um, I went back to Ireland after um, a small spell over in Reading for about seven months with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Went back to university to finish my last year of university. So what year was that? Oh, God, that was uh, 20... I think graduated 2016. Fine, 2016, yeah. 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 Um, graduated um, college or university. Um, wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. Had a general idea, possibly a teacher. Obviously, that didn't come through. Um, and then my cousin, who's a former... Well, actually, is still currently working for British Airways, suggested to the fact, like, if you don't know what you want to do, maybe you should try... British Airways. I was like, never really thought of that before. And I thought it was actually quite a, quite a decent idea. So then obviously the, the painstaking process of the, the back of the background checks is the, that's the first initial step. Um, do an online test. I can say it now, but I actually got my friend to do the maths test side of it for me. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't be tweeting anyone he, about that. Yeah, he got me through stage one. <laughs> and uh, my CV got me to stage two. So I flew over for um, an interview in London um, with British Airways, which is quite intense. Only about I think 36,000 apply for the job. Only 4,000 get it every year. So it's quite an achievement. Uh, That's impressive. Um, so stage one, obviously you do your interview, you get your two against one interview, you do your role play, you do your, you know, role, um, you do your like group assessment, you do your difficult situation. And then at the end, it's like, all right, you've passed stage one. Please go over there. Who hasn't, whoever hasn't passed, hands up, you're going home. Sorry. It's very like, you know, cutthroat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I flew back the next day and then, um, a couple of weeks later, I said, "This is June time of 2016. You got the job. I was like fantastic. I was buzzing." Um, then it goes the whole background checks, obviously, because we're an airline industry, so you have to do a lot of you know mm-hmm. painstaking stuff, and which is fair enough. Um, and then basically, I didn't actually start work till the following January because it took so long to get all the references yeah. and the you know police certificates and. Just when I thought I was at the stage of getting the job, I had to go to the American embassy to get my, um, get my visa. And I got to the embassy and uh, they said, yeah, everything's great, Tom. Have you just got your police certificate? I was like, police certificate? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they said, from the time you got arrested in Huntington Beach. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, how did you know about that? So um, just a little back. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure uh, 
this uh this naturally will need to be discussed but um <laughs> but I, i'm i'm aware of obviously the, the background for this but if uh, if you're able to disclose uh the kind of inner workings of uh why there was uh an arrest uh, i'm yeah, sure it was be, just uh, interesting the, you know I was, I was only 20 years old and i may have had a open container of alcohol at the time and <laughs> you know as a kid as a kid of that age you don't really take it too seriously and then no, of course. yeah that stood and uh, that stood to me and then i had to you know do my time, my 24 hours in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all things considered, though, I think we have to be practical here. Of course, um, of course. Having having an open bottle of uh, alcohol in, uh, in, in a... It's not in accepted a, in any society. Yeah, in a suburb of, uh, of, of United States is... Uh, it's is, it's not it's not the yeah. worst thing in the world, you know? I, I don't think it should be, you know, penalised no. so so heavily. And I back them 100%. On um, but, you know, it I was there. I wouldn't condone that activity, that, uh, that behaviour anymore. No. But, but yeah, we we um I paid my fine. I did my time, and uh, <laughs> they uh, they allowed me to take my tests. I had to do various tests then, and then they gave me the certificate to say. But then as as that got all signed off, my police certificate had been uh, had to be renewed again. So that took another couple of months. And yeah. During this time, I was over here. I was doing double shifts in a restaurant and in bars and in uh, hotels just to get the bills paid and then eventually started work training my six-week training in British Airways in the January after the June so so it was, it was January 2017 that you yeah. moved here obviously you mentioned you grew up in in Ireland mm-hmm. you'd lived there your whole life and mm-hmm. then you would come over for a year when you lived in Reading about yeah seven to eight months and, and that there. was in 2015 yeah. 16 yeah yeah so you would obviously come to the UK then mm-hmm. um but were you had you really planned about coming to London in the long run or was it just, um, you know, British Airways, they operate out of Heathrow. Exactly. You, you would exactly have to be that. there, right? Exactly. No, knowing what I did, knowing what I know now, I may have like commuted from my hometown of Shannon airport, but, um, well, my home, home airport, sorry. Um, but to get the job here, it, it wouldn't, my organizational skills at the time wouldn't have been amazing to be able to commute yeah, yeah. back and forth. But my girlfriend, um, who currently works at River Island's head office said, look, if you want to get a job in London, I'll get it too. So we came over as a team and, tackled it together so that was pretty much how that went dream down. team yeah dream team yeah it took a bit of convincing but it worked <laughs> so um okay so january 2017 you officially start for for british I airways i do yeah um so take us through what your kind of first date was like because i'm sure the first day i'm sure training. the first day you were thinking wow like i actually you know i'm not really sure what it's gonna be yeah. like until you kind of take the first flight you step on the first kind of plane yeah. But I mean, like, how long was the training to begin with? Training was six weeks, intense training. It was, like, I walked in thinking, like, I don't know what I was. I walked in, like, not knowing, like, right, I'm going to be a guy who wears a tie and smiles every day. Like, that's what I'm thinking. But you go through, you meet your team, there's about, ooh, about 16 of us there, um, all from different areas, different backgrounds. And, you know, you just get to know each other. And then you get a lot of, like, ice breaking things, a lot of team building sessions. And then, you get your schedule for the week obviously it's very strict like you have to wear a uniform all the time like if you're late that's one strike you get three strikes are out that's training fine, done. Fine. three strikes are done late is one strike not wearing proper uniform is another strike girls if they didn't have their makeup done properly that's another strike yeah not not passing the tests that yeah, we do yeah. another strike yeah three strikes and you're done it does it that's so not much tolerance for that no stuff. no like i said only a small percentage gets the job and then literally day by day you did like your um the key things would be like you know, your fire drills, which is intense. Like you go into like a, a kind of a makeshift airplane. Yeah. Lights go out, smoke comes on. There's four of you. You get up, you train it obviously first, then you have to like react to what's happening. Three Fine. different scenarios. Like the, the overhead had cabins on fire or there's something hidden that's smoking. You need to find it and yeah, put it out yeah. or the bathroom yeah. is on fire. Like yeah, you yeah. need to find out what's going on. Um, so yeah, that's, it's fun, but it's intense. That, yeah. that's, that's that bit. Um, then obviously you do your like very like, 
um, intensive medical work, like, you know, CPR and having to deal with different scenarios. You have to learn the symptoms from certain things like, you know, like anaphylactic shock, like things like this, like learn how to cause it, not cause it, sorry, learn how to get the symptom, cause it, yeah. Probably fired on three strikes and he caused it. (laughs) Find the symptoms, like how do you fix it? Like what are the, you know, uh, remedies for it? And then obviously other things like choking, how do you stop it? Um, Someone's not, not acting right. Like the signs, like, you know, very, very intense, like medical training. That was a very like long-winded 50, 50 question, multiple choice kind of thing. And if you don't pass it, you know, not a good time. But, um, that, that was another day. Another day then was like going down the slides in case you landed on water. That was another test. Like you sitting down and like, right, we're about to land on water. This is a scenario. Cabin crew get into positions, brace for impact. And then you get up and boom, everyone like everyone out door one, door two, get the microphone out. Like everybody like, um, life vests on before you get out. Don't inflate your life vests in the, in the plane because obviously that would uh, impede your exit um then like you practice going down the slides like some people didn't get it some people did get it i was fortunate enough to be like quite like loud and assertive assertive where yeah. other people just crumbled under the pressure and obviously got a strike and had to yeah, redo yeah. it again but if someone gets a strike and they have to redo the test you 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 pick that person up with you and you all go at it together which mm. we all did if one falls mm. we all fall kind of thing so when you started obviously you're fresh to the industry um you're kind of a fish out of water on, on this kind of first day. <laughs> so how does the the structure work in terms of, you know, there's three contracts that uh, British Airways operate for their structure of their kind of cabin crew, mixed fleet, Euro fleet, yeah. um, world. So where do they bring you in? How does it work? What kind of options do you have? And just take us through how that works. Yeah. Well, being a, being a small fish in a big pond when you first start off, you think you can, you think you can basically go into any of them, but Unfortunately, not. Um, worldwide is like the the I won't call them the, the oldies, but the older generation on the nice the legacy uh, the contracts. nice contracts, we'll say where the good money is. Where apparently. the good money is, <laughs> the good money, the good perks, and um, they they operate on their own terms almost. They do what they what they do. They they pick the routes they want to fly on. They don't. They they do as like uh, they do. Um, we'll say they go through the motions. We'll say that, and uh, they are on quite good money and they're basically just an older contract that it won't be that contract will no longer be added to it'll only be taken away from so people yeah so you like you couldn't be on that contract no, never, now right never. i think it was after like 2000 and yeah like 10 or 11 yeah. they, they stopped hiring on that contract yeah. right um i have a friend one of my dad's very good friends his wife is still on that contract at the minute she um she commutes from our hometown so she was kind of my go-to if i had any problems there and she still is she's um she's part of the worldwide crew and then me and myself starting off, they they um they come in. I didn't have a clue about any of the aircrafts or anything. I was basically, I was clueless. I, anybody told me, I thought they all looked the same, you know, two wings and a tail kind of thing. And basically, you come in, all the team were like, "Oh, we're on the seven four seven. I was like, "That's just three numbers to me. I don't know what that meant." <laughs> I was like, seven four seven. I was like, "What formation in soccer?" Or and uh, <laughs> they're the they like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna be going here, 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 here." And I was like, "Oh, that's sick." And then so you find out you're on the seven four seven. We're mixed fleet. Mixed fleet B and you do long haul and short haul. That's where the name comes from. Fine. Um, so you're, so I was on the seven four seven, the triple seven. Eventually, you get trained up on the seven eight seven, um, and then you go to the like the baby bus, the the eight twenty, the nineteen, the twenty one. Um, all of those ones are the short haul, whereas the long haul is seven four triple seven seven eight. And then mixed fleet being the way it is, you just you can your rota is scheduled around you. Like you can put preference in, you can put who you want to fly with if you can, and it's up to the rotor guards if you want it, if they you know, decide your rotor for you. So um, being on the 747, half double-decker plane, for those of you in layman's terms, 
Um, and then the seven triple seven isn't. Sorry, the triple seven isn't. It's just like a long, a longer plane. There's no double deck. Um, and then you're split between seven four or a three eighty. So a three eighty is the big double deck bus. I'm sure you've been on that many times yourself, Chris. Um, so that's like, that's almost a different fleet. So that's 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 where the split is. The mixed yeah. fleet. You're either a three eighty or you're seven four seven. And there's always a bit of like banter or yeah, who not, not which one? Yeah, not banter. It's more like. Friendly competition. Yeah, yeah. And the A380 think they're better than the end. The 747 are just kind of grinding away as they do <laughs> the on, the old, on, the old, on the older planes. Yeah, 40-year-old plane versus a quite a new one. Um, so there's always a bit of a divide. And then it's strange. There is a, quite a divide there. And then you might fly. The only way you would come together at 7.4 and A380 people with if you're flying one trip and you're all on a 777. Because oh, everybody's trained on the 777. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like how you have to take a car driving license yeah. on a manual yeah and yeah. Then, then you can drive an automatic but you can't yeah so i was never I, w- I would never be on the a380 ever just trip just uh, seven four because that's that aircraft is what i'm trained on i know where the exits are i know where the inflation kits are i know where yeah. everything is where in the a380 i would just be like you know a bull in a china shop i wouldn't yeah, know yeah. what to do i probably pull the door open instead of like you know, <laughs> look for the medical box but then there's so then there was always a bit like, oh, you're A380, how nice. And oh, you're 747, must be nice for you kind of thing. You know, it was very just yeah, yeah. a bit of like condescending kind of stuff. Um, and then, like I said, you get to, I, I chose, I put my preferences down. So each month you pick your road and it's a very stressful time because you're trying to work around what days you want off and you're trying to work around plans you've got. And then I put a preference in for long haul only. So you can put a long, long haul only preference. But the, at first I was just like, give me whatever you can take. Fine. So then, the so you can choose if you just want short or you just yeah, want long. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And a mix of both. Yeah, and the thing is about British Airways is like you know people are in it for different reasons. I'm in. It, I was in it for the travel. I wanted to see as many places as as quick as possible. In so a it wasn't space about like love of airplanes. It was just no, the love of travel. Whereas some people completely are the opposite. They would love airplanes. Their families have been, you know, they've got an aeronautical, aer- aer- aeronautical yeah, background, yeah. and like they they did it for that reason. Other people have like businesses abroad, and they want to use it to like you know, um, get clients get abroad, around. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Put, pitch their business abroad. Other people want it because of they're more well-off families and it's an easier job than most jobs. That's, that, you know, there's loads, loads mm. of different people. Everyone different has different reasons Everyone's for different, doing yeah. it. So I picked it for that. And obviously, I want, at the first, you're just kind of like take it or leave it kind of thing until you know the ropes. Um, so you get your rota. First rota is quite exciting. Everyone's in training. Like, oh, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. And then you get a list of people that you're flying with. So you just a bunch of like 15 names a cabin manager, two pilots, and 15 of you. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Then we're like, oh, nobody's flying together. And then you wouldn't see that group training group maybe for, I don't know, months, months and months and months. But you might see them in headquarters and you have a chat and yeah, yeah. you meet up after work. And I'm still in, very, I'm still in touch with a very good friend of mine who I, who I trained with and we still are. We'll be friends for years. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's still there. Um, and then, so mixed fleet is mostly like, you get, your, you get your short haul, which is very intense. It's like, you could be like, I don't know. You you report for your trip. It's a smaller crew. There's only yep. about seven of you. So you you let's say. So short haul by definition is how many hours of flying? It depends. It varies. You can go on a Euro trip or a Euro tour, which is like four destinations across three days. Yeah. Or you can go on like a there and back. So Dublin and back. Boom. You're done. Fine. Which is very rare. That's an easy day. Yeah. Um. So let's say you, you walk in. You're on this plane. I'd always prep. I was like. I, get, I used to get the tube, so I used to go get the tube, read up, and when you're, when you're a newbie, you're like, you're absolutely bricking yourself going into this massive headquarters, and you're learning, like, oh, crap, if I sit here, where am I going to go, and if this happens, what am I going to do, yeah, yeah. and you start panicking, it's like, oh, 
and then you go and take one. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm here for my first flight. Like, we're at, like, like a kid in his lunchbox yeah, yeah. walking in. I yeah, didn't know yeah. what I was on doing. The first day. And uh, you make sure you get there on time. And then like, oh yeah, you're in that cabin room there. And my God, I was, I don't know what was going on. I was really like, and then you, you kind of walk into a room and you just see these seven people looking at you. And they can tell straight away that you're fresh. So you walk in, you sit, you, know, you introduce yourself, where you're from. And then you say, you're working here today. You're working here. And then we go around the room and they ask the safety questions. If you get the safety question wrong, you get asked the second one. If you get a second one wrong, you're off that flight. The safety question could be anything for like a medical scenario, like what are the symptoms of this? Or on this aircraft, where is this thing? If it'd be aircraft specific, whatever. Is there is there a list there. of questions? There is a list of questions that went round and somebody got them all and you know, we end, we, end, we, ended, we knew what we were gonna be asked eventually. Fine. And but was that newbie, before every flight or was that just at the beginning? Every single flight. Oh, okay, every single flight you get you have to do that safety test. Um you know, you get, I've, I've seen people not fail, but I've seen people get one wrong and then it kind of look over and you kind of say, when you kind of just give them yeah, a wink yeah. and say, yeah, you get it through just like help that. each other out. And then again, you get people, I've never seen someone get kicked out, but you get people that are late and have been kicked out. If you're one minute late, you're off the flight. So, so that's how it goes down. How many hours before would you have to report? Uh, a couple of hours, maybe two, maybe. Two about, hours before. Yeah, because you, se- you have like a separate security that we go through, so we're there quick into the terminal, boom, there yeah. you go. So yeah, in a short haul flight, then you might go anywhere. Like you might go from London to Dublin, Dublin to London, London to um, Vienna and Vienna back. Yeah. And might not stay the night. Another trip might be London to Oslo, stay the night in Oslo, Oslo back to London, way around London to, um, I don't know, Greece, back to London. Mm-hmm. Stay after staying the night in Greece, then you come one more. Then the third day would be that's your Euro tour. Then yeah. your third day would be like, uh, you might get a double one. You might get like back to London to Dublin, London, uh, Dublin back to London, London to Belfast, Belfast back to London. That's your two. That's your three days. Then you might have two days off after that. So a Euro tour is intense. Like it's very tough trip. Like it's tough depend- on the body and tough also on the body, like like mentally you, as well. Mentally tough. But you, the good thing is you fly with the same people for all those ones. That's a good thing. So at least you actually build some kind of yeah. Other ones then some of those people. Oh, it's like, oh, we're all getting off. Like, no, I'm staying on. So you might get people that are like, he's actually going back, but me and her and him are staying the night. Yes, so that's where it changes over. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the sad reality of it. And then uh, the Euro fleet just do only Europe tours. I wouldn't have never been on that fleet. I'm just mixed fleet only. Yeah, yeah. Um so you might fly with them now and again, or you might cross paths with them as they're getting off the flight. So you'd always run you walk down to the aircraft after after it lands, mm-hmm. people will get off. You see you see the crew getting off, you chat with them, they let you know what's going on. As it's being cleaned then. You would wait, set up your positions, do your checks, do your safety checks, report up to the cabin manager saying everything's good down here, mm. everything's good up there. Boom, ready for boarding. Let's get them on kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So. so I remember even back then when I was trying to arrange plans with you, it would always be that you'd have your rotor mm-hmm. about a month in advance. A month in advance, yeah. But how much flexibility did you have on, on what days you were free? So did they expect you to be free the full 30 days and you could pitch in a few days that you wanted or like how, how did that kind of work? You basically, you're giving your block your month and if you do a lot of long haul, you're going to have a lot of days off. So that's how it works. Um, and then with flexibility wise, there's always a room to swap shifts or swap flights, but that flight has to match exactly what they're doing. Exact route, exact, well, not exact route, exact flight, exact aircraft. You put it towards like, the head office, they approve it, and then it gets swapped like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take annual leave, you can take a choice day, you can take stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> I've called in sick once or twice because I was very hungover. But that was yeah, that that was a once off kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have to report to say like why you were sick, and you have a little meeting and yeah, stuff like that. Um, but 
flexibility wise, it was quite it was it was intense, quite tough, but only if some like you could advertise it saying, Hey guys, um Chicago trip up for grabs um on the A three eighty or the seven four seven. Um going straight into two days off with this after it. Can somebody try and fit this into the rotor? If so, let me know. Boom, let's swap. Mm-hmm. Swap it, get it approved, that's you done. Get it swapped, rotor gets changed quite easily. Um, but if you go on a long haul trip like to Cape Town or something like that, you know, you get you know you're guaranteed three days off after that trip. So you can start planning things around that. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was it was it's tough. Like I was away a lot and then I mean, how many days were you home in a month? See, to be in my head, I thought I was home a lot, but then my girlfriend said I was gone all the time. <laughs> so, so okay, so like roughly speaking, like how many days in a month do you think you were home? Um for a typical month. We might have trying to think now. You might have 10 days off a month, maybe, if you're on a lot of long hauls, mm-hmm. um, which is fair. 10 to 12, if a lot of long haul trips, 10 to 12 days off. Um, but then, like, you know, you, you forget. You fly through the night, go in there. You fly through the night, come in there. You stay one or two nights down there. Like, to me, that's rapid. But to her or my girlfriend or my friends, you're like, I'm always away kind of thing. Yeah, they yeah. forget I fly through the night. So. Um, yeah, so that's basically, like, how the rotor kind of works. Um, and then you, you, in the middle of that, you might have a bit of standby. So. Everyone likes to call it a standby roulette. I'm sure you've I remember that 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 um I wouldn't say wild, but that good night we had in uh where was it for someone's birthday? In uh I think we were in were we in Birmingham? No, not Birmingham. It was uh, in London. Sam was there. Everyone was there. Everyone's girlfriends was there. Neve was there. Yeah. Yes. 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 And we went yeah. out. I think it was um I can't remember, somewhere. Oh no, it was in Cargo. We were all yes. in Cargo. Yeah, it sure did. And um I remember I was on standby the next day. And I said to you all, oh, guys, I'm on standby, but I, I won't get cold. I'll be fine. So I remember we all went out. We had a great time. We stayed up a bit later than we should have. Yeah. And me and Neve got an Uber home and we got home at maybe the earliest hours in the morning, we'll say maybe five, five or yeah. six. And I had to report for standby at 8 a.m. the next day. Wow. And uh, hey, that's, that's all well and good. We got up, got there in one piece, just about. You go to the desk, you get your Nokia 3310, <laughs> cutting costs and all that. They give you a, a phone and they say, if it rings, you answer and you go. That's pretty Fine. much how it goes down. Fine. And uh, you get the phone. I used to go bring my laptop, bring my iPad. At that point, I just wanted to sleep because I hadn't got much sleep. And you go into the quiet room, as they say. You set up, get a nice little blanket, get a pillow for yourself, get a couple of chairs. The second I put my head on the pillow and I put my phone underneath it. Do, 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 it's time to wake do, up. Do. Yeah. So it rang. And I, I, oh, my heart dropped. And I was like, hello? He's like, Thomas? I was like, yeah. Okay, you're going to Lagos. And I was like, fantastic. Can't wait. <laughs> so then, oh, sorry, not Lagos. I was going to um, Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, so then you report to the desk, and I really did not feel up for it whatsoever. And I was, you know, quite hungover. Getting on the flight then, you go into the briefing room. You're quite quiet initially because, I don't know, it happens. And then there's about 15 of you sitting there and... Just had to man up and power through it. That's well, that's the problem, right? I mean, <laughs> you took a risk. So, someone who uh, might work like a, a retail or a corporate job, at least they can try and hide in the yes. office, right? No, you you can't exactly hide <laughs> thirty five thousand feet in the air no. when you're trying to a big smile, trying to serve customers and, uh, chew and, gum. <laughs> and, and and take care of safety. So yes. yeah, so okay, so you, you you gave us a background of um, the schedule, mm-hmm. how often you're away from home, how often you are at home, mm-hmm. in terms of being on the actual flight being a flight attendant going around the world yes what were the kind of perks that you would have um so obviously you traveled for work Mm -hmm. but when you wanted to uh, travel for leisure what were the kind of perks that you would have access to you know for for being with british airways for example yeah 
Um, not gonna lie, I think it could be a bit better these days. I wish they would look after us a bit more. But you did have some good perks. You got very good prices, but it wasn't confirmed. You can pay for a confirmed ticket, or the cheaper ones would be on a standby basis. So fine. It's all well and good. And then you take the gamble. You might get bumped up to first. You might get bumped up to business. You just book a standard economy flight. Um, it used to work quite well for me. I used to get standby flights back home to Ireland for very cheap. I'd always get on. There'd never be a full flight. They'd always give me, you know, they'd always give me um, a good seat. They'd always um, give me yeah, the best seat in the house if they could. And I wouldn't have to wait in like customs queues, getting home or anything like that because I was a flight attendant in uniform. But then let's say we went on a long haul trip. Me and my brother went to Cancun in Mexico um, on a quite a long haul flight. And it was good. Like we had, we booked standby, got confirmed, got bumped up to like um, Economy Plus, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, bit more legroom. Yeah, a bit more legroom. <laughs> get. Then because of our alliances with other uh, airlines. So we, One World. We got to, use, yeah, exactly. we got to use Aero Mexico, also on a standby basis, to yeah. go to Cancun from Mexico City. Um, so that worked out well. And coming home, not so easy. So. Coming home, it was a Saturday flight, which we didn't realize at the time. Very busy. Standby, didn't get on the first flight, didn't get on the second flight, didn't get on the third flight, didn't get on the fourth flight. And eventually we started stressing out because I had to go to work. I had to work in a couple of days after. Wow. And um, so eventually we, we didn't speak, none of us speak a lick of Spanish, unfortunately. <laughs> so we had to get someone who was working for Mexico to like really get Trying, us on this flight. Okay, and she eventually helped us big time. Wow. Got us on this flight. Um, and... Uh, we both got bumped up again, so it was great. Um, another time, then, obviously, if, if somebody's traveling with me, another perk would be, like, let's say you were my, uh, my, my um, Klingon. So I pick two people to be my Klingons, and I can change it every six months. So initially, okay. it was my girlfriend and my mom. Then it was my brother and my dad. Yeah. Um, and then let's say my girlfriend wanted to travel with me. Um, so on my last ever flight, we went to Cape Town together. Amazing. Very romantic for the ladies listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> we, um, she booked on as my Klingon as economy standby, then you kind of rendezvous with her. Like she goes to a separate customs and I'm kind of texting her like, right, make sure you get to this front of the queue, ask this person. And you kind of like say it to the, I say it to the cab manager, look, my girlfriend's on the flight today. Can you see what you can do? And there's always like an unwritten rule that you bring. She brings chocolates. And it's very weird. It's like yeah. an unwritten rule. I was like, bring chocolates no matter what. She's like, why? I was like, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> so everyone used to do it as a Klingon. You bring chocolates and everyone's like, oh, thank you. As if they weren't expecting it. And then um, he's like, okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and then uh, the captain kind of sees like who's on standby. Like flight attendants get lower standby compared to like flight crew. So Fine. pilots on standby would get a higher priority course, than my yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so then that, that all went good. And then she got bumped up to business class. First time flying business. She got top deck 747. So she was absolutely buzzing. Got her quite drunk. She's a nervous flyer as it is. So oh, really? I, made, I talked to the girls upstairs like, look, She's nervous. Just take care of her. Top up the prosecco when you can. And, <laughs> and then I went up to her, and she was she was loving life. So she ate all the food, and she was just really enjoying it. And then on the way back, she got business class as well. That was another great perk. And then my mom going to Dubai, she got business as well. Um, that was her first time doing it, so that was a, that was really um enjoyable experience. Um, and then let's say my brother who moved to Canada for a small moment of time, about a year, he was flying um British Airways. I got him a flight one way to Vancouver, mm-hmm. and then I knew who, I. You can see the list of who's flying that day. It's like, hey, guys, who's flying on Vancouver BA001 to Vancouver on the whatever day? Um, and then I found out who was the cabin manager. I spoke to him, left a note for him in the HQ. And then whoever, when he checked into his flight, the person behind the desk would say, oh, this note was left for you. He would read it. And I was just a very sincere letter saying, my brother's moving to Canada. Can you do what you can do? Yeah. And then my brother texted me saying, oh, I just got bumped up to business class. Absolutely buzzing. So that's another good perk. And then when you're down route, another perk would be 
you get like we had a membership card, a recreation club. So okay. Wherever you go, I went to Miami for a bit. You got like um, paddle boards, discounts, you know, really like dirt cheap discounts on like kayaks, paddle boards, activities. Fine. Then you can rent a bike for like a couple of dollars. You can yeah, rent yeah. like whatever. Then you so is that something British Airways yeah. organised for all their employees? Exactly. Yeah, they can go anywhere in the world. Yeah. So obviously you mentioned the structure of your kind of day-to-day, your rota, the fact that you weren't home much, um, you're away or at least like 10 days of the month, mm-hmm. kind of going long haul and short haul. Yeah. So those are the kind of, the kind of stress of the, uh, the kind of job, but at the same time you had the benefits of being able to take a Klingon companion with you yeah, man. every six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd benefit from you being part of a airline and, all the perks that come with um, being an employee there. For sure. But just in terms of your day-to-day, so forgetting about, you know, the kind of uh, being away from home, uh, missing those kind of aspects of, of life. Yeah. What were the kind of the biggest pet peeves when you're actually on board? So just day-to-day running um, your job. Oh, pet peeves, like number one is just people thinking you can solve a problem at 30,000 foot, 35,000 feet in the air. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like thinking they... If they're if they want a certain like the menu is the menu, it's not gonna change. Yeah, yeah. It's not like McDonald's, you can go pick like one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever. Like, it's one, two, or three. Yeah, yeah. It's chicken, beef, or fish. Well the worst <laughs> thing now is like you've got all this touch screens, right? Oh. So, so now you can customize everything. Yeah. Like you can hold or yeah, add yeah. anything. I you're thirty thirty five thousand feet in the air. I'm not gonna be able to go get you like a bloody you know, a Dr. Pepper that we don't do on board. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like you've, I ran out to managers. Yeah. Of course I ran out to managers. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, like on short haul flights, they used to stock, M&S used to stock us with the, the food. And each flight was different. So each destination, depending on the trend and how people would spend their money on short haul flights, it would differ. Like the stock of the flight would differ. Like going to Dublin, the stock would differ to that going to... Somewhere in Asia. So, no, not, on a short haul flight, somewhere like Kiev, or Greece would have Fine. more food and more yeah. drinks than it would going to Dublin. Oh, okay. Spending Guinness, a kill, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I have one in the back in the back office. But no, it was like, you know, it was based on this trend, like trends, like spending patterns, income, like the type of travelers that are traveling. And like, like, you know, you get through, if it was a busy flight and like, let's say one of those flights ended up being busy where they forecasted it to be not so busy spending wise, then you're goosed. Like you're, you're there with like, Four, they load you with four sandwiches for a flight of like 120 people mm-hmm. and you get to the first two rows and they'll say I'll take the sandwich You're I'll wait. take the sandwich I'll yeah, take yeah. the water I'll take the sandwich I'll take a sandwich alright that's my sandwiches done. so what do you do when you get to the back and you're out of sandwiches it's just not sorry, to sir. be frank but you just say tough like that's, that's, that's <laughs> we're kind of legit like what do you want me to do go get you another sandwich for M&S's in the terminal yeah yeah but you just say like guys like I had this conversation so many times it was just you know you have to just just take it on the chin. Well, I'm not going to take it on the chin. It's not my, it's not my problem. But yeah, just, yeah. The, the customer's going to have to take it on the chin. Put a, a smile on your face. Put a smile on your face. Like, I used to give people, like, you know, free things now and again if they didn't have a choice. But, you know, that's down to M&S. They didn't, they didn't load it with certain things. Like, you get all the way down to the back. You, you might have just, like, ready, ready salted crisps and, just like, an orange juice. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, but, just a nuts. And they're going to have to do it. And unfortunately, that's the way it works. But, like, the way it was, like, I remember one time this guy ordered, like, so many, like, 12 pounds worth of stuff and his, the contact list would not work. And it was just, it was just going back and forth and he'd already opened it and it was just like, ah, uh, it's just, okay. like, so frustrating. I ended up putting on my car just to say, like, look, bro, just, this is on me, just, just to save a headache because otherwise it's just going to be so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it'd be out of pocket and they, yeah, yeah. they add up all the receipts at the end and they figure out what's happening. But, Fine. Yeah, certain things like that worked out. But another pet peeve would be, like, something like, um, I don't know, maybe like a really long, long night flight. 
you have to like obviously do your cabin secures, walking around, make sure everything's all right. And just when you're like, you know, you're settled down, you think everyone's asleep. There's always that one guy. There's always one guy that brings that bloody dinger bell that wants something in the middle. They're not all going to sleep, are they? Yeah, like so there's always one person that wants something, and like you know, he's, like you just be on a night flight, you read your book, or you. I used, I bought a, a, a very old. You might appreciate this. I bought a PSP before just for my long haul flights. <laughs> I remember you. Telling I bought me a this. red PSP in games. I mean, uh, in that camera. Old is gold. Oh yeah, old is gold. I had all had my little brought my little bag with me. Had a little case of all the discs. Had loads of games. And people used to laugh at me. I was I was enjoying it. I had Tiger Woods PGA Tour. Well, I guess games. you have a lot of time to kill, right? I had hours I mean, to kill. look on the long haul flight. Yeah, because I was going to actually bring this up. But on mm. a long haul flight, are you allowed? It might sound silly, but for the listeners out there, are you allowed to sleep? Yeah, man. The longer the flight, the more hours you get. So basically, unlike a six seven hour flight to like. I don't know, um, Nairobi or Dubai or anywhere like that, you might get like an hour's kip. Right? It's up to you. You don't have to sleep, but you can get like an hour's rest. Or you can sit, hours sit down, hours. You, sometimes if you don't want to sleep, you can, like let's say on a 777 flight to Seattle, the bunks were different than the 747 flight to Cape Town. Like the bunks were way better. The bunks are where we sleep, for those of you who don't know. But if you want to go and have a look, guys, on the triple seven and the seven four, Google. all the way down to the back of the flight, right beside the bathrooms, is a secondary door that looks like a closet. It's not a closet. It's how we get into our bunks up to the ladders. You need a special key so you won't get in. You won't get too far. But um, you go up and there's like a U-shaped kind of bunk bed structure. So there's like two here, two here, two here, two here. Yeah. Everyone goes up, gets your blankets, pillows, go to sleep, whatever. Right. Um. So that Cape Town flight, you get like four hour kip. Or I remember Santiago, the longest flight I ever did. That was like 12, 13, 14 hours. You get like a four hour sleep. So, was, you know, I would sleep for maybe half of it. Well, I would sometimes sleep for all of it if you're very tired. And then other times the bunks weren't very good or you might not have bunks. You might be unfortunate to have like a 777 that didn't have bunks, specifically a flight to Seattle on a 777. Mm-hmm. Whereas that, you go all the way down to the back and there'd be a section of rows just cornered off just for cabin crew to have their, they'd have a curtain around it. Just normal regular seats, what like you what you would sit in, mm-hmm. and you'd like I don't know, read a book. I used to watch movies on the entertainment. I used to listen to music, sleep, eat, cup mm-hmm. of tea, mm-hmm. just to pass the time. Read my book, play my PSP. Speaking of eating, mm. uh, did you have to have the airplane food? Uh, you didn't have to. What do you bring on your own? I was a sucker. I used to eat everything. I was so hungry all always, and I used to, I used to bring bring my own food, bring my own snacks, and getting off the flights, I used to steal a lot of <laughs> airplane food. For down routes, I used to save money a lot. So obviously, you steal like. Um, Boring. Uh, sorry, I, I, paid asking. I paid it back with my blood sweat. But um, we did. I took so we, we borrowed. We'll say that um, biscuits and cereal and orange juice and so much water. Do you water. ever borrow any uh, any miniature um, beverages? Hey, you know, <laughs> we'll say borrowed. I mean, quite a few because I've seen a few you, those photos. You've seen, you've seen them all. <laughs> when you go down route. Like, you know, you, you're with a bunch of people that you've never met before. And there's always one person who's the ringleader and organizes things. That was usually me. But okay. it's just kind yeah, of like, yeah. right, guys, what's the plan? I, I thought it would be you. Yeah. yeah. The Irish guy. Tip it up. Blame <laughs> <laughs> like, on the Irish Blame on the Irish guy and the alcohol. But uh, you go down route. It's like, right, guys, where are we going? Who knows where we're going? Let's go to the lobby. Everyone get changed. Go to the lobby. Or meet in this person's room. We'll all have drinks. Then we'll get warmed up and we'll go out for the night. Yeah? Cool. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously we'd we'd take the miniatures off the flight. Take this the secure way of doing it and the buy the book way of doing it was paying for it. And mm-hmm. then obviously putting that money in the kitty or but then again, these buyers don't get counted very often, only going into the States and you can take the risk and all the time I took the risk. So you take why not? I I pocketed, you know, you take off a few minis, they take off their mixer as well. 
And like, yeah. I was like, oh, did you pay for that? Yeah, yeah, definitely mm. paid for it. Everyone paid for it. And then, no, you don't pay for it. And then, you could be your most, people, most people did and whatever. And then you, obviously, I had a collection of minis and I still do. I still have many minis that I haven't drank yet. And there's quite, <laughs> quite a few of them there. Well, they might age and then taste Yeah, better. yeah, there's a good, good blend of whiskeys over there. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, then, uh, the, the going back to the food, what you asked then, the food was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's... Did you get anything different? Or no, was, I, well, I got, you got a choice of first-class food because obviously you can go whatever's left over, you can get a first-class food, you can get business-class food, or if you're working in an economy and everything's taken up, unfortunately, you have to go for the chicken or beef from economy. So would there always be additional... There'd always be First-class and business-class? No, no, not, not loads of additional... Because they cater to... It's like a full cabin that only have that much. Yeah, yeah. If somebody doesn't want something, by all means, fine, I can have fine. it. Fine, okay. fine. Um, but, you know, you go up. If you, you always kind of... You need to be kind of flexible. You need to go... If you're working in an economy, you've got to be friends with people working with you in the economy. Yeah. If you're not, it's going to be a long flight. Yeah. I would always go up to first, up to business, make friends, get to know everyone, like where are they going, have they been here before, any mm-hmm. tips. And then like, you know, you look out for each other and, yeah, yeah, oh, he sounds, he's, he's a good guy, like, we'll give him some food. Like, you'd always go up and ask and just get first preference and, you know, just kind of put your foot down kind of thing. But yeah. Um, the economy food wasn't great I'm not going to lie and it's, I'm pretty sure it's sprayed with like fatty substances to make it more tasty than it is I'm pretty sure that's a thing it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> I haven't seen it but I've been told by many people oh, okay. um, business class food a bit better metal forks yeah. plastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. metal um, and then that was a bit more choice especially when the new um, business class came into it there was cabins got redone the food got redone the menu got done so that was quite nice mm-hmm. um, but then yeah I would always bring like snacks with me as well just to make sure I had enough going on um, yeah, I wouldn't go off flight hungry, we'll say that. And mm. I, was, I always used to be a sucker for or sober. Like that. Or sober. Well, no. <laughs> that was one time. <laughs> no, no. No, so... Um, that was my first flight to Vegas. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, airplane food, obviously, that, that that's a big thing that people, um, you know, either hate or um, they just tolerate because it's kind of a means to an end and it gets them to their kind of destination. A lot of people might just eat their own food. Mm. Um, but kind of with where the world is at the moment mm-hmm. um with the whole kind of uh pandemic you know shut down we got 90 percent less travel going on yeah. uh domestically internationally um and i think even though there's like air bridges that are being um brought up with the uk and other european countries and other parts of the world mm. the organization of people moving between countries and being allowed to is you know you can do that now and yeah there's not much um you know isolation uh that needs to be done but i think the biggest thing that people probably worry about is the kind of clean cleanliness of the whole end-to-end experience at the airport so mm. being at the airport boarding getting on a flight being on the flight uh and then kind of obviously getting to their destination and you know there's things going on at the moment where a lot of airlines are, try, are trialing, a lot of airports are trialing um, health scans, you yeah. know, temperature checks. Um, that's going to become yeah, probably yeah. normal. Yeah. Uh, they're banning baggage on some airlines, so you can only take carry-ons yeah. um, and they can only be um, kind of certain approved carry-ons. Sure. Um, they're also looking at kind of blocking middle seats. But just like generally speaking, like going back to how it was a few years ago when you were there, mm-hmm. what was the the reality of the kind of cleanliness and the schedule of cleaning? Like, how did it go down? Uh, I, I Honestly, I didn't have much to do with it, but I would say most of the flights, airline, aircrafts, did not get, did not get deep cleaned more than once or twice a year, I would say. Maybe. Maybe a little bit more, but very, very seldom. They would obviously get, like, people would come in after every flight. You get the cleaners, the rubbish, they hoover. They take out all the toilet bags, 
Yeah. Now I imagine there's like sprays, disinfected, everything like that. Back then, not so much. Like, you know, there's rubbish being taken here. There's, you know, they, 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 they miss things now and again. Like, by all, by all means, they, they did miss things. And, you know, they do a good job of like clearing the, the, what meets the eye. Yeah. So anything like what meets the eye, like debris left over, that's all done. Mm-hmm. They do clean it. Like, bathrooms are disinfected and whatnot. But, I wouldn't say it's very as it, and now. I hope it's a much better job, and I, I can only assume with everything that's going on that it's, it's, they do deeper cleans more than usual. Mm-hmm. Like short haul flights, I would be sitting down on my phone for five to ten minutes while the cleaners are around me, and then by the time I look up, it's done. You know, and <laughs> the flight is ready to go again. Supposedly, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That would be like a five to ten minute turnaround, fifteen yeah. minute, twenty minute turnaround. Now I can imagine like there was so much contact with food, so much contact with customers. So much contact with colleagues when yeah. I was flying. It was just like, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like flying and being cabin crew now. I can only... Well, have... the magic, I think the magic of flying is, is kind of gone at yeah. the moment, right? Like, was, you, yeah. you don't really get that kind of interaction. No. You don't get that end-to-end. Like, I think it's just not fun. Mm. Like, if you're flying now, you're going to be paying a premium anyway, mm-hmm. just because of the fact that the airlines uh, are trying to run shorter, mm. shorter number of passengers and, mm. and still try and make their revenues. Um, but the whole experience for the end person is not as fun so no. i guess that's been temporarily taken out and the longer the the lockdown goes on the longer that kind of happens yeah um i guess you've you flew with british airways for two years yeah two years two years yeah. um what was the strangest flight passenger or experience that you ever had just the the most craziest the most craziest passenger experience? Um, passenger experience. We'll start with that one. Um, uh, I'm trying to keep it a little bit PG. But basically, I remember I was on a flight before and there was a, <laughs> there was a guy. It was in the middle of the night and it was, I was just doing my checks as we always do. And I had my little torch going around making sure everyone was all right. Making sure no one's like, you know, passed away in their sleep or whatnot. It's like Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, literally. And I see this guy like a blanket over his, over his lap and quite erratic movement. I was like, why is this guy doing? I was like, this is so, and he's in the front row of Economy Plus. It wasn't like he was Maybe being, had a protein shake. Possibly shaking his protein shake under his blanket. And then I managed to like look over his shoulder very quickly and it was like a video and I was like, oh yeah, no. I was a bit kind of intrigued. I was like, oh, what's this? And then, then I see his face and I was like, so he's watching a video of himself and I was like, why is he doing? And then I, then it zoomed out and panned out a bit and it was him and his, uh, we'll say partner at the time. Oh, right. Doing some, um, We'll say MMA training maybe in the bedroom. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> some UFC. Yeah, I think that's good. And uh, yeah, so he proceeded to do some more erratic movement, and I, I just I was really startled by it. <laughs> Didn't know how to take it. Oh, what I, did you I, do? I asked one of the girls to go for a second look, and they were like, "Yeah, definitely." <laughs> and I was like, "Then she said to me, what are you going to do about it?'" I was like, yeah, "Guy's got to do what he's got to do." I just left him to it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if another like if another passenger alerted you to that, then obviously you I would have to do I would it I, I would definitely do something. But, but if you if you yourself see someone. Just, you know, kind of getting on... Beating the bishop. Yeah, with his flight. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and then... I mean, what do you do? I, I let him I, I, I let him do it. It was in the middle of the night. Everyone else is asleep. And I just remember at breakfast, I had to look him in the eye and serve him breakfast. I said, do you want to scramble on a Friday? And I just... It was I mean, weird. He, did, he looked at me seriously. as if nothing was wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him and said, I know exactly what you did. <laughs> <laughs> we just completely changed. I, I know exactly. My, my mentality and... And then he got off the flight and said, thanks for a great flight. I was like, I bet you had a good one. <laughs> well, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to say, like, what would someone have to do in order to get a flight stopped or diverted, right? And obviously, you know, after 9-11, yeah. there's certain things people could say or do on a flight that, mm-hmm. you know, well-publicized and, and would immediately stop 
you know, kind of takeoff. But other than those things, mm-hmm. is there just general behavior that could lead to someone being escorted off or have you, yeah. have you seen it? Has that been you a always, thing? You always, a, a good example would be some sort of kind of human trafficking of some sort or someone, be, someone flying against their will. Um, so you look for the telltale signs of like, usually in the case, not to stereotype anyone, but usually it's like an older gentleman with a younger woman or okay. that kind of sense. And then the woman wouldn't have... But you're much, trained to look out for them. Yeah, yeah. The woman wouldn't have much English or she was nervous, very like... Taking, Just didn't take, seem natural, comfortable. Not natural at all. And like you've asked for, would she like anything he would speak up or... It would kind of like, you, there would be alarm bells you'd be looking out for. That's one scenario. Another scenario where somebody's too drunk, you can't control them. We have to divert the flight. Is that if you had a uh, some some uh, stag flights to yes. uh, to Spain? Or... Vegas is always a bad one. Always oh a bad yeah, one. it must they, be Vegas. They can get arrested, especially going into the states. Getting off the flight, they can be arrested if they've if it's been notified to the captain. The captain writes a letter of I don't know what we used to call it. What's like air traffic uh, control? And, yeah, he lets out air traffic control. And he, gives, he gives a letter to the passenger saying you've been out of control. Blah blah blah. When you land. You'll be taken into custody. Have you heard of that being happened? That's on? happened quite a few times, oh, especially wow. Vegas flights. Definitely, always Vegas. Flights. Really, always Vegas. Always Vegas flights. People get a bit too carried away. Well, what happens in the air above Vegas at thirty-five thousand feet? You still you, stays in Vegas, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but to control that, yeah, yeah, technically right. Uh, to control that drunk passenger, we were trained to like. It was very funny. It's like you, you'd have a scenario like, right, guys. You're gonna, we're gonna jump this guy, kind of thing. Like, uh, you, you're gonna get, you're gonna be the guy that puts the blanket over his face so we can't see. You're gonna be the guy that gets a pillow and holds him down. You're gonna get his legs. You're gonna get his arms, and we're gonna time. We're gonna pin him to the floor. And did you ever? Have to I've do never that? had to do it. Oh, okay. But I've heard of. But you were trained. My friends, to do it. yeah, we were trained to do it. Um, other, obviously, then the obvious ones are somebody, you know, hanging around the exits too much, sitting on the exit door, looking at the exits, asking questions about the exit doors, you know, basic stuff like that. They would always ring alarm bells or people trying to get into the bunks, people being where they shouldn't be. Going into the flight deck, we had a certain pin code I won't disclose now, but you had to put a certain pin code into the flight deck, look into the camera. They know if they'd see it's you and then you would go into the flight deck, give them their food, automatically left the door behind you. Because if that oh. door is open, somebody gets into the flight deck, you, you have to let they're carrying control in. of that plane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the, the cockpit is, I guess, it's like you could swing, you couldn't swing a cat now. It's between me and you as we are now. And uh, that that's quite a dangerous scenario. Like you have to position the trolley in certain ways. You, like without thinking, you could leave that door open just to let, just so you could get like at the second dinner just in, just to reach you know out, I mean? just to reach out. And somebody could be waiting on the front, front, front of the flight, front row A, and just absolutely bolt and make a beeline for that um, uh, flight deck. Because mm-hmm. once it's on the ground, it's on the ground. We're not going to take off. But mm-hmm. when you're in the air, mm-hmm. a whole different kettle, kettle of fish. Do you know what I mean? Um, they're the main ones that you would see someone getting like you know. And the weather. I've been, I remember having to divert because of severe, severe turbulence before, and we couldn't. What land was the before. worst kind of situations you had? You're going into Gibraltar around this that famous rock. There's so much wind. There's a captain's only landing, so only the captain can land it in Gibraltar. It's yeah. basically landing on a platform on the ocean. It's like a, it's like landing on a rock. Yeah. And uh, there's so much wind coming into land, so much turbulence, shaking, 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 about to land, take off again. Mm-hmm. And the captain's like, right, we're going to go around for a second run. We're going to circle for about 20 minutes. Um, just be ready, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Went to land a second time. Turbulence is 10 times worse. Everyone starts screaming and crying. Babies start going. Kids start going. Women, children start crying. And then they're looking to us like, what's happening? And we just have to put in a big smile saying, everything's it's okay. Because <laughs> if we start panicking, everyone starts yeah, panicking. Yeah, yeah. So we're just starts, like smiling, like making sure everything's all right. It's going to be okay. And then uh, 
went to go down again, took, couldn't land, took off again. It's like, right, we're, we're diverting to Malaga. So we do another hour and a half flight to Malaga, land there. The passengers got off. Then we had to wait for the passengers who were meant to get on in Gibraltar to get a bus to us. Uh-huh. They had to get on. So like a four-hour, four, five-hour day turned into like a full 12 to 13-hour day. Uh-huh. Like I had to wait for them to get on the flight, then fly back from Malaga. It was just... Did you, did you, have you stopped over in Malaga? No. No, um, no, no, no. We had to literally just wait on the plane. That was it. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, was, I was in Malaga last summer mm. and um, I was there during August, which is their festival season. Yeah. And if any of, if you've never been in Spain during an actual Spanish festival season, it's, it's, nice. it's another level. Nice. It's, uh, it's a party that goes on. I think when we were there, the, the whole festival went on for 10 days. Mm. That's 10 days of just straight yeah. street, city, middle of the day mm-hmm. and night partying mm. nonstop. Madness. Um, but speaking of that, um, obviously, that's a, a kind of pie destination um, and a very kind of relaxing destination. Mm. With you flying all over and having the ability at the time to kind of request certain kind of sure. routes, sure. which were the ones that you requested more, which were the ones that you tried to, mm-hmm. to be on if you could? Uh, and why? <laughs> yeah, and why? Well, yeah. Standout routes. Um... You know, you got, you got, like, not many people like it, but I, I used to love going to China. Loved it. I, I fell in love with that. Like, Beijing, Shanghai, amazing places to go to. Just Beijing alone, just so I can go to the Great Wall of China. Like, one of the all-time favorites of my, off. of my career, going there. Bucket list. Go, ticked it off, like, complete it kind of thing. Like, go to, go to the Great Wall. You get up at, like, crazy time in the morning. Like, fair, your body clock is all over the place. Mm. Like, to be able to organize it and get up the next day when you get there is tough. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you take off at nighttime, you 12 hour flight there, you land in the middle of the morning, your body clock is out the window. Mm-hmm. And then you get up, get some random guy picks you up in like a six seater and takes you to an hour, two hour drive up into the mountains. Get to the Great Wall at 5 a.m., half five in the morning. No one is there. So we had the Great Wall all to ourselves. Wow. It's absolutely fantastic. Go up there, it's all misty, like very like surreal kind of background mm-hmm. backdrop. You get like a ski lift, which is like, not safe, but you get a ski lift all the way up into the mountains, mm-hmm. the very top of the very, very, very top. Walk, walk as much as you can to the Great Wall. It's, obviously, we didn't walk at all, but much, as much as we can. Yeah, yeah. All the way along, up and down, you're absolutely knackered, knackered by the end of it. Then the, the highlight is obviously, once you get to the, when you finish, you can organize to get like a toboggan down. So you toboggan all the way down the side of this, the Great Wall of China, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you take some pictures, whatever. That's one of them. And obviously, you go into like the hidden markets then buy whatever you want to buy oh yeah um those youtube videos about those fake uh, yeah, fake, yeah. Fake, fake markets where you yeah yeah where you bargain and for... you, say, you say like a certain i remember certain markets you say like a certain password and they let you into the secret oh secret yeah, yeah, market, yeah yeah which is like there's kind of like fake and then there's like the better fake the better fakes and then there's the the fakes that are so yeah so, so close that no so one real, can tell yeah so there was like a certain way that you go in there and it was just very funny and then the food was amazing and very very nice very nice continent in general um and then other trips then all time favorite, probably my favorite place in the whole entire world is Cape Town, cool. South Africa, by far. Um, just so, like, um, if you haven't been, please. I get flights are a bit expensive. British Airways used to make a half a million on every Cape Town flight, half a million because the flare, fares are so expensive. Mm. Um, well, it's funny because obviously I talk about kind of air miles and points, and yeah. um, most people who collect you know BA Avios. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they might have like the two for one companion voucher. Sure. They um, they try and book their seats like three sixty five days in advance. Oh, 100%. And the Cape Town one is renowned. It's the only for direct just, flight to. 
it's Cape Town from London. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. only direct. So that, that Cape Town flight is uh, on a lot of the kind of yeah. forums, like Flyer Talk and a lot For of the sure. kind of uh, yeah, enthusiasts. Means, yeah. It's always gone, right? Yeah. Always. By all means, it was tough. It's tough like, to get there. You just take off at 8, 8 p.m., you land at like 5 a.m. a day later. Mm. Your body clock's up. It's up to you. Like, the thing is, British Airways, it's up to you to get up and do things. If you don't get up and do it, you're going to fall asleep yeah, and yeah. you'll wake up and it's time to fly back again. You got to take the initiative, get up, do things, meet people, do activities. I, that's what I took it upon myself because I, was, I thought I treated every trip as my last trip. Yeah, I yeah. might not get to go back there. I might not, this is my first trip here. I might not get to go back again. Yeah, because you can't and, just yeah. think that you're going to keep no, going to the no, same place. Oh, that did happen to like, one or two I, places. I'm going to be here next time, so I'll, I'll, fit, yeah. I'll fit it in then. Yeah, that did happen to one or two places. But Cape Town was, I, I was probably there every month because I loved it so much. Wow. I, I was there every month. First time there, you know, you go up to Tabletop Mountain, you get like, you, I used to hike up there quite a bit. Um, walk, ran, hiked, go up to Lion's Head. Um, can paraglide off the top of that then you go to the best steak restaurant in cape town there is so cheap amazing people there so friendly um food is amazing then you go like the next day you get up like obviously you go out at nighttime have some drinks cocktails by the beach um then you have like very like just it was just surreal like you go down then you go to like camps bay which is like along the coast all these amazing pubs restaurants beach and um, people are so friendly there as well. So, um, so welcoming. And then you, like another day, then we, we would go like shark cage diving, get up like in the middle of the night, sorry, like 5am, get picked up, go into the shark. Like this is freezing cold water, but it's just a crazy experience. Jumping into a cage with sharks flying around you. And then you would um, go to Boulder's beach. There's like penguins there that are like indigenous to like Cape Town. It was so strange. You get like two hour drive to like Boulder's beach. And it's just like, a hundred penguins on this beach. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, it was just a surreal place. It was just, I used to have a routine. I used to go there, go to the same shop, see the same guy, meet with him every time I went down there. He used to work in this restaurant that we go to. Then we take him out in the night out with us. Okay. Um, he was like, Tom, how are you? He always give us free drinks. He used to well, work. You get to meet the locals. Like... Yeah. You get to, they recognize you. And then like, hello, Mr. Kinch. Every time you come into the hotel, cause you've been there enough times. And then, yeah, yeah. um, part of the furniture. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Um, and then, other places then you would go for like, I don't know, um, obviously Vegas. You go to Vegas because you go to Vegas. But <laughs> uh, been, I remember I requested twice to go there because McGregor, being a big McGregor fan of myself, oh, yeah. I went there twice. I, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember managed to get on two of the flights to Vegas. But unfortunately, the flights came at such a bad time that they always landed an hour behind before the flight. So I would never, I would always miss the flight by, or miss the fight by like a small window. I think I recall you telling me or showing me that you were in a bar down the road watching yeah. watching the fight on a big screen yeah that's, that was the thing there was big screens inside you'd always go to find a big screen and then i'd have my irish flag packed in my bag and i'd, I'd always whip it out whenever you want well like um, he always used to bring island to yeah. like, to the mgm grand yeah. whenever he went right the time he, the time he lost to khabib i probably I, I probably got i almost got into a few fights i wasn't the most liked person there <laughs> but um then again you go to vegas for like you know amazing like like you go to the grand canyon you go to like the old uh neon light museum you yeah. go to like it's just a different world if you yeah, haven't yeah. been there it's, it's so hard to explain um then you go other places you go to like i don't know um dominican republic's probably the best trip probably that's probably my all-time great trip i would say okay punta cana dominican republic i wasn't even meant to go there it was it was um so gatwick have a separate crew than we do it's gatwick or Heathrow. And Gatwick go to like the holiday destinations like Punta Cana, places like this. Yeah. And I remember I was on home standby, so not airport standby, home standby. 
and you go to airport, you go to home stand, but you get a call saying, Tom, you're going to Punta Cana. I was like, what? It's like Punta Cana. I had to Google it. I was like, well, I was like oh, it's Punta- how do you even spell that? <laughs> and he went to Dominican Republic. So then like, right, we're going we're gonna to drive, you're going to stay the night in Gatwick, all paid for, all inclusive. We're going to drive you up there. Then you're going to fly business class to Punta Cana and not work. And I was like, what? It's called positioning. So you position out. Yeah. So that they need, they, it's like a rescue flight. They go, the flight goes out to take the people back. Yeah. The crew back. Oh, okay, fine. So they didn't need me to work going out. So all of us that were going on that trip, sat in business class, we drank, we ate, we slept, we had a good time. Pretty tipsy getting off the flight into yeah. Punta Cana. Then we, all inclusive in this resort when you get there, everyone's got a hot tub in their room. It was a wild, it was just mad. And then, like, Is that your favourite trip ever? It was probably up there. It was okay. definitely up there. Probably, I'd probably say yes because of the, it was just a surreal experience. It wasn't working, it was just it nope. was just a holiday. I had to work the flight back. That was oh, okay. It. That was okay because you managed that. But every, like all inclusive, the nightclub was all inclusive, the food is all mm-hmm. inclusive, the drinks were all inclusive. It was just, it was like you could just imagine staying there forever. And then other trips then that stand out would be like um, Santiago and Chile, like a long ass flight. But it was like when you get there, like it was, the people were so friendly as well. The food was just next level, best steak I've ever had. Um, but we, I remember me, two, two, um, two, um, two captains of the flight. And two of us, cabin crew, so five of us in total, rented a car, drove all the way up into the Andes Mountains to see, like, the glaciers. We parked the car up. It was just, just amazing atmosphere, crazy. Then we just drove all the way up to these hot springs in, like, the middle of the Andes, just in the middle of nowhere. And there's just hot springs that you just, we've just brought a cake crate of beers with us. Wow. Everyone brought swimming shorts, laid out in these hot springs for the day. They drove back down, had dinner together, and flew back and then I never saw any of them again. That's the, that's the sad reality of being a cabin crew. You may make great friends with these people on every flight. It's just short You might not see them again. Yeah. Then like, you, you'd see the list of names and you, I wouldn't recognize anyone, but I recognize a face. I go mm-hmm. in like, oh, I, see, I remember you. I remember you. We had a good time together. And then just, just the other day, as a matter of fact, I was, went into my local Sainsbury's in Ealing and I saw this guy and he saw me and he's like, Tom. And I was like, how, how do you know my name? <laughs> my girlfriend was like, who's that guy? And I was like, and I saw his name tag. I was like, Tim. I was like, Tim. He's like, oh. We flew together. I was like, oh, we have flown together. Like we had to, and then I, I try, try and think where we flew. And then he's like, I'm working for Qantas now. I was like, oh, fair play to you. Well done. And then he, my girlfriend's like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. I was like, yeah, I'm just trying to think where we flew. <laughs> and then uh, it dawned on me in the middle of the night. I was like, Belfast. We went to Belfast oh, wow. together. And we ended up obviously having a good time. 50% off in the bar for all crew members. So it was good. Really good time. I'm, I'm, sure, up, that, I'm sure that was a great time. Yeah, we ended up going, going to a nightclub and flying back together the next day. And I had to do the announcement as well with the PA. And I just, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was so hungover. Um, and then we actually flew together to Seattle another time. So I, that, I haven't seen him since, but just the other day I saw him in Sainsbury's working there part-time because um, yeah, yeah. he's on furlough at the minute. Well, I'm sure you'll bump into him. Bring yeah. Him. Um, but yeah, then, oh, probably one of the most famous trips that you can do is obviously a Singapore-Sydney trip. It was like a seven-day all-round trip. So it was just literally two days after I came back from Mexico. So my body clock was just... I shouldn't have gone on that flight legally because my body clock was set to... Behind. Western times yeah, yeah. or whatever it was, and now I'm going the opposite way. So you go like Dublin to Singapore, you spend two nights in Singapore, mm-hmm. you see like the Marina Bay Sands, you see where the F1 is on. Wow. Go to like, I remember getting the ferry to uh, Indonesia because only an hour ferry. So I saw three countries in seven days. And then you go there, spend the day there, and then you fly to Sydney, about a day and a half, maybe two nights there. Go to Sydney, see what you need to see, go to like the Opera House, the beach, Bondi Beach. And then you fly back to Singapore for two nights and you fly back to London again. That, that was a crazy Crammed trip. in. That uh, was a crazy trip. A lot to see. Yeah. And then, uh, like, you had, then you had, like, the Joburgs, um, 
then you have the States, Canada, um, like so many places, like Doha, beautiful place, like Oman and Muscat, beautiful place, loads of places. Like it's just so many to name off. It was just, yeah, just a surreal experience. Mm. And anybody that has not done it or anybody that doesn't feel they have the money to travel, like I didn't, I didn't have any money to travel. I thought this is like the best way to travel. Mm. Like if I, if, if I want, if I want to see the world, I like, I come up, I come from like not a, not a wealthy background, not much money behind my family. And just, if I wanted to see this place, I'd take it upon myself to do it. And what was the best way? Like, yeah, yeah. just this, this is the easily, easily the best way to do it. If you don't, if you don't feel like you don't know what you want to do with your life, don't know what the business you want to go into, you, you have like a year to spare, maybe two years. Like I did. You always say you go for a year and stop, mm-hmm. but you never do. Cause yeah, yeah. It, it, it grows and grows and grows. And it's very hard to get out of. And it took a long time for me to get out of that business because the lifestyle, you get used to the days off, you get used to the annual leave, you get used to the perks. Um, so I was actually going to come on to that. Yeah, so yeah. You, you listed like your your favorite trips, all those mm-hmm. memories. Um, I can see you looking through your, your Instagram <laughs> feed to remind yourself. Yeah, you caught me. <laughs> you've clearly lost track of all the places you've been to. There's a picture of you. Probably now. seen more places than most people ever want in their life. Yeah. But you've obviously had these amazing experiences. Yeah. Um, you have met people, not everyone who you'll be in contact with again, but sure. people that you might remember later on in life. Mm. So then two years of, of doing that lifestyle, two years of being a flight attendant, working for the kind of biggest carrier in, in, in the UK, mm-hmm. what, what then leads you to the, the, the decision to, to leave, you know, and yeah. kind of step away from that? Um, you just have to be realistic. Like I was getting to a stage where I was um, like 24, 25, like not much, like I, could, like, I don't mean to, to, like, you know, down on anyone, anyone working in the industry at the minute, but at the, at the end of the day, you're just you're serving tea and coffee you're serving food you're like it's like working at a restaurant or a bar in the air but you're very like don't get me wrong the trainer that i got from like the safety training the medical training unbelievable that stick with me for life forever yeah um but like it's there's not much you can't much make i always wanted to go into the marketing side of it and get out of the flying side and go straight into marketing i wanted to be that person who was in charge of like the slogans the marketing the all the marketing campaigns that was and, and i remember i applied for two positions and i didn't get them and that was the kicker. I just couldn't, I couldn't fly anymore. It was, it was really taking a toll on me. And um, I just didn't see my career going further. I didn't want to be a cabin manager. It was still involved flying. Just it, uh, more harder work. You have a team to look after. There just wasn't it a was, natural it wasn't, it wasn't appealing to me next at all. Step. Yeah, it wasn't a natural next step, exactly. Um, but by all means, like if I, other people find it easier and they, they stick with it for years and they, they have easier lifestyles to live outside of it. But you could have had the option, for example, to to lower your schedule, right? And and you could yeah, have, you can go part time, and you could have gone part time. Yeah, option, I think you you know people that still do that. Yeah, right? my, my good friend of mine that I spoke about earlier, Paolo, he's uh, part time at the minute. He's got. I a do kid. remember Paolo. Shout out to Paolo <laughs> if, if if he hears this. Shout out to Paolito. He's in Portugal at the minute. <laughs> um, but uh, he yeah, a very good friend of mine, and he's in part time because he's he's obviously got a kid at the minute. And congratulations, I think he's actually got a second one on the way. Um, congratulations. He's uh he's got his own business. He used to work like part-time here and have a second business on the side, but um, it just didn't see it. And then obviously I'm, I'm back at Enterprise Rent-A-Car now because of the career progression that I saw initially. And I went back to it again. Um, but BA wise, it's, um, I thought the mar- I thought it was lined up. I was like, I'm going to go to marketing. I've done it at university. I studied it. I, I enjoy that type of business and I want to do it for BA, but unfortunately I didn't have the qualifications needed and it just wasn't there. It wasn't written in the stars. And then, um, this popped up so two years into it and then uh, yeah saw what I needed to see went where I needed to go did what I needed to do and 
Mm. That was it. Wrapped it. So um, if there's anyone that might themselves or might have family or friends that have thought about, obviously I do appreciate right now is we're, we're kind of in the, the kind of turmoil of, you know, the pandemic and mm. um, all the airlines across the border cutting, cutting uh, their, their staff and BA initially announced that they were going to cut yeah. all of their um, three fleets and basically rehire all yeah. their all their their mixed fleets into one singular contract, which generally wouldn't favor any of the people they rehire, and a lot of the I legacy know, yeah. kind of staff were very annoyed about that. But you know, if we kind of go a year or two down the line where things might normalize a bit more, you know, the airline industry might be able to kind of bounce back, and then kind sure. of global travel yeah. gets back to where it was be kind of last year. Definitely. If if someone you know maybe right now is in university or mm. in college, um, and might be thinking about that they want to travel they want to see the world do you still think that this is the kind of best thing to do um for them and kind of what advice would you have to kind of get their expectations lined up yeah. for if they actually want to sign up and and kind of take that that path yeah well definitely like like i said earlier if you don't know where your career wants to go and you're you're 50 50 you're coming out of university and i know it's a strange time coming out of you, you think you've done you've done four years and you can't remember a single thing that happened like that before or anything you had the day before in university but Coming out of it and you're unsure and you want to travel, but you don't have the money to travel and you want to meet new people, you want to gain new experiences, but you don't have the capability to do this. This is the kind of job that would bring characteristics of you and traits in you that you wouldn't know initially that you think you had, but it would, this job, it, it would bring it out of you. So mm-hmm. if you, you're an introvert, extrovert, whatever you are, you have to be, you have, have to be, be some sort of, if it, like they, they don't just hire any Tom, Dick and Harry, like they know exactly who they want to go for. They know exactly the person they're going to hire exactly the characteristics they're looking for um and like by all means if you're like a, a young young person and you just want to travel by all means go for it and the, the advice i would give is just give it your absolute all like don't take the training for granted like, you like go like take like take your check seriously your your background um everything like that and get it all in get it all in um in order before you apply um and just be ready for like a big commitment at the end of it big commitment and uh, if you're single, by all means, it's the best thing you, best thing you can do. You've got all the free time in the world. If you've got a relationship... You haven't got responsibilities, basically. Indeed. If you're, if you're in a relationship and you, you need to have this chat with your partner and just say, look, like the weekends I am home, the days I am home, we'll, we'll work something out. Get and it always time, does. Like, yeah, you do, we'll work it out. And you just have to stay in contact with that, with that person. Um, like communication is key, for sure. Um, and then obviously... The travel wise, like I said to you earlier, um, you have to like once you're down route, like, okay, all go money, you got the job, you're on your down route. You gotta make the most of it. You gotta make friends in your cabin, outside of your cabin. When you get down route, take it upon yourself to do I used to do things on my own. I used to go out, hike on my own, go for runs on my own, like do activities on my own. Cause nobody a lot of people, and by all means, it's the same thing I did many times before. Like if you've been to Chicago six times, like you're not gonna You don't wanna see everything. You, you wanna save money, you wanna get like a, a nice food. Deliver to your room. I used to bring my PlayStation some routes because I was so like I've been there too many times. You know, I used like, to you used to stay in the hotel. I hooked up to the Wi-Fi, put my PlayStation HDMI, brought my own cables, and that was it. Um, but like, but, but like, you need to take it upon yourself to like do the activity. Nobody's going to do them for you. And some places I went, I didn't. I I was a bit shy when I first started because I didn't know what to do, and people would not tell me what to do because they've been there many times before. And I used to like just kind of stay in my room for the first one or two trips. But then you realize that. You need to get out and do it yourself and organize it. Be that ringleader, be that person that's organizing. So, like, you get your organized group chats with each other and 
like by all means just you just have to take it take the bull by the horns and like do it yourself pretty much um, you have to make things happen yeah like like you only get out of it what you put in and obviously yeah. they yeah. give you this platform to to kind of travel the world and yeah and even choose some of the routes and see things that you probably never thought you would For see sure. you're, but you're when right, you get yeah. there you can stay with the rest of the kind of crew in the hotel and or the resort and not go anywhere. You meet, you meet crew from other airlines, you have fun with them. Like you, most airlines stay in the same hotels. Oh, okay. Like usually, usually. And you'd always meet with other airline crew and see it, like you touch base, tell stories. So it is incredibly social. Incredibly social, incredibly. Other people don't find it so social and they, they're more introverts and they do their own thing and they go to their room and speak to their family, which by all means, I've done that many times before. But it's you get caught up, like... You're an ambassador to the brand a lot of the time. Like you're you you're in there at British Airways. You stand out a mile, in uniform, out uniform. You stand out a mile if you're a crew. You all stick together. You all have you're all loud and having fun. So if things happen down route, you need to be careful. You need like you can't post too much on social media. You can't post you in your uniform in certain places. Like you are an ambassador to the brand, and that is one thing I would definitely look out for if you're a fresh freshy starting off. Like just be careful what you're doing in uniform. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, down route be careful like a lot of people got kicked out of the, the industry because they had too much fun down route like, <laughs> skinny dipped in a pool in Nairobi by all means and they rode the <laughs> the statue of a giraffe oh wow and uh, I'm sure that didn't go down it didn't go down well and we had to change hotels because of that exact <laughs> trip and those people were kicked out after that and uh, yeah then other people suffer so if you have too much fun you know by all means like have so much fun but don't get caught <laughs> no of course and uh, yeah that's that's it. That's the advice I would definitely give. Like, be, be that extrovert. Change. Like, get, like, take on that new challenge. Get people. Like, get people on board with you. And if they're not on board, do it yourself. Go do yeah. the activities yourself. Yeah, yeah. And by all means, stay safe. 100%. No, of course. Well, I guess that applies to people who, who um, just want to travel even by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, if you have friends and family that might not necessarily be as ambitious in their kind of travel goals yeah but you really want to see something you just have to kind of do it do it yourself and just kind of get out there or find like-minded people that you can do it with yeah um so i thought we would um come towards the end of the podcast and we would or i would throw something uh a bit unique at you um so what i was going to do is basically do a quick fire round um, just to kind of make you think on your feet oh, and just yeah. short responses. Go. So I'm just going to say a phrase uh, and then you need to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind um, and we can kind of go from there. Let's so warm up, <laughs> stretch, <laughs> really. stretch. So, um, okay. In terms of your flying career with BA, mm. what was the most underrated destination in your opinion? Uh, Doha. Doha. What was the most overrated destination in your opinion? Um, Miami. Oh, I think that'd be a bit controversial out there. Um, what was your your favorite? I think you mentioned it before, but uh, a tie between Cape Town and Punta Cana. Okay. Uh, we'll go Cape Town, definite answer. Okay, Cape Town. And what was the just absolute worst that you just you when you were there you just couldn't couldn't believe it? Oh God. Um, oh God. Worst trip. Um, uh, gonna be weird. I think maybe Houston. Houston. Not a whole lot to do. Well, like baseball was good. I went to a baseball game, but it's just the homeless population was just a bit mad. <laughs> like they were shouting at me. Oh wow! Most people were shouting because I didn't give them money. Uh, <laughs> or I said hello, how are you? He said I don't want. I don't. I don't know how my day is going. I just want some money. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't want that. All right. What's um or who is the most famous person or celebrity Ooh. on the flight that you were on? 
Jude Law? Jude Law. I served him in, you know, the actor? Jude okay, Law? yeah, yeah. The guy from, well, many things, in fact. He was uh, in first class, one of my first flights, and I looked after him very well. Uh, really nice guy. Really, really nice guy. Who was a celebrity that you had on a flight that maybe didn't warm to you, or the crew, or was it warm uh, in general? Katie Bryce. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She sat in economy at the very back and didn't say anything to any of us, but we knew exactly who she was. Oh, wow. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. How many flights do you think you've taken in your career <laughs> in two years? Oh, mixed between long haul and short haul over two years. Got to be up near 500, I would say. Jesus. That'd yeah. be a lot of miles if you, uh, yeah. if you bought more cash. Yeah, unfortunately I didn't. <laughs> um, what was the destination you flew the most times to? Um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Cape Town. I was there every month at one stage for quite some time and I got very accustomed to it and I had a routine and schedule that I did. So So you reckon you flew there 20 times? Probably. Okay. Probably, yeah. Uh, favourite aircraft? Ah, uh, old reliable, 747. 40-year-old baby. Oh. <laughs> Has to be that one. And the, the TVs didn't work and maybe half the flight most of the time, but hey, it was a <laughs> <high> character. <laughs> All right. Uh, favourite cabin to work in? Um, I only experienced first for a short amount of time, but I would always choose if I had a choice business probably always business but economy had character to it it was so much fun like it was great fun actually you know what i probably say economy now and again i mean economy is kind of it like was just it like was just actual, cool, like back of the bus yeah. with like the kind of it was nuts like the fun like, kids it's just it was so much stuff to give out to like so many people and you just had to work together with the team and you'd be absolutely wrecked after it and you'd be sweating and at the end of the flight you just like you deserve to drink after it like in an economy it was, fine it was intense um what was your longest flight in terms of time um, Santiago in Chile 14 and a half hours 14 and a half each way Oof. tough 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 flight um, what was the shortest flight <laughs> Manchester half an hour flight sometimes 25 minutes serious intense intense flight <laughs> like even before the seatbelt signs go off you're already up trying to set the bar off and to get you need to serve everyone up and down and clear everything in and out in half an hour so that was like the, the, the kind of craziest thing. You might, do them, you might do a double Manchester in one day. So you might go up, down, up, down. Oh, okay. It was crazy. Crazy flight. I bet that one messed your body clock up. That, that even messed, it just messed everything up. You just got to get everything in and out, done and dusted in 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since you left in 2018, have you flown British Airways? Have you, have you stayed loyal? <laughs> no, I don't think. Well, I just, <laughs> you're asking as if like I'm saying no, as if like no, I boycotted it. <laughs> no, I haven't because I have, haven't been on um, many long haul flights since, to be fair. I've flown most times I go home, I fly EasyJet or Ryanair. Most times I go abroad in Europe, fly EasyJet. I went to Canada, I flew a Canadian airline. Um, but I actually haven't. I don't think I actually have gone in September when I fly home to Ireland. I think I might be maybe using British Airways to go to Dublin, but. Okay. Might rekindle an old flame, who knows? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a nice little two hour flight there. <laughs> two hours. <laughs> so I think with that, we can wrap up the podcast. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, Tommy uh, Kinchy, as we all call him, um, for spending the time giving us uh, a behind the scenes, kind of appearing behind the curtain of his life and times at British Airways working as a cabin crew member all the stories his experiences his insight I think it's been very useful um and I think it gives a bit of a different take to um the kind of role and the day-to-day uh that people probably don't hear about so um I'd like to say be a big thank you for to for him sharing that with everyone um and I hope it was useful I hope this kind of gave you a different kind of um take 
uh, on the episode. And um, if you like this format, um, something different, something that's less kind of air miles and points and more just kind of travel and people involved in the kind of aviation airline industry. If you um, like this, let me know, um, because I would love to do more of this kind of um, episode and kind of style of uh, kind of conversations, interviews, sit downs, um, just to kind of give you know a different kind of aspect so um yeah hope you guys enjoyed this um just want to say thank you to kinchi again for taking the time to do this uh and yeah yeah man thanks so much for having me um honor being on the show i'm glad to uh represent um thanks for having me again um but yeah anybody wants any feedback or anybody wants any like tips traveling tips or advice if they're going to a certain country that i've been to and they want to ask any questions please by all means Check out Instagram, Tommy underscore TK6. Message me if you have any questions about it. If you think about getting into British Airways, let me know. Um, by all means, I'm here no matter what. Um, but yeah, Rich, it's been a pleasure. Good to see you again. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. And I'm very glad to make the trip over here. And hope, uh, hope this thing goes well. Make sure to tune in next week because uh, Rishi's moving in the right, right direction with this one, guys. And I hope... Uh, Hope it's going to be a long and successful career. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. I'm very grateful for those kind words, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the on the episode. Um, so yeah, if you guys made it this far, all I can say is thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can find me on my socials. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Points Hunters. Um, please follow me on there. Um, and if you think this is useful for your friends or family. Um, please share the episode because it really does help the podcast Um, but again thank you for making this far my name is Rishi signing out and I'll see you in a future episode